0: welcome back to our series of podcasts on pastoral transitions and leadership transitions. I'm Bill English with the Bible in Business and Faith Radio. Thank you for joining us today. In studio with us today is uh, the former pastor at Maple Grove Evangelical Free Church, Russ Berg, the current executive pastor at Maple Grove Evangelical Free Church, Jim Hobbs, and our current senior pastor at Maple Grove Evangelical Free Church, John Plattick. The reason I say our is because I am a member at Maple Grove Evangelical Free Church in Maple Grove, Minnesota, and we have recently been through a very positive and I think unifying pastoral transition. And so in this segment we're going to talk about the process that was used uh in in the pastoral transition and how did we achieve the success that that we achieved. So Jim, I'm going to start with you and just ask, what was the process that was laid out uh, to to transition, uh, with Russ Burke's full knowledge, obviously, and the elder team's full knowledge, to uh, transition uh, from Russ to who would eventually be uh, John Plattik? Pastor Russ
1: approached us uh, as an elder team and, and just very graciously let us know that God was stirring in his heart uh, a change uh, for he and his wife, Melody. And with that... Uh, the process really began with with uh, seeking to understand on the part of the elder team what does that look like for you, Russ? What does that mean? What does the timing look like for that? And then once we established those parameters, then we we started thinking through, well, what are we going to do re- to replace this this man who has been serving as lead pastor for the last 21 years at the church? And for our church, it would be considered pretty unusual to go through a search firm. But at the same time, we knew that this particular position was just so vital to who we were. And it, it had been 21 years before we had had to search for this, uh, this particular man. So we engaged a search firm. We began to communicate very transparently to the body uh, everything that we planned to do we started to characterize with the search firm exactly who we felt God was leading us to from a a character standpoint, experience standpoint, gifting standpoint, while at the same time continuing to work with Russ as to how do we best care for you, Russ, during this time of transition, but also during the time uh, post-transition for Russ. And so this this went on for about a year this search and Russ was gracious enough to stay on and continue to be lead pastor through this and God led us to uh to pastor John and uh, the process continued because when we came in and uh, interviewed and then hired pastor John there continued to be really great communication uh with the body and uh with Russ And originally, uh, we thought that transition with Russ and John on uh, the church payroll, so to speak, at the same time would be lengthy, but we changed that. And it actually ended up being a short time, but it was a wonderful time of transition. And so the baton was handed off. Uh, There were pretty clear expectations uh, between Russ and the church as to what uh, the next year would look like, and, and the same was done between uh pastor john platic and the church and and those clear expectations uh, i think were really key to having a, a successful
0: transition and what were those clear expectations
1: well there were expectations with regard to keep, keep
2: my mouth shut
1: <laughs> no no we never want that russ because <laughs> uh, we highly value everything we'll lock the closet <laughs> that comes out of your mouth but you know we were it was a it was a difficult situation in the sense that, you know, Russ is someone we love and care for, and he, he was our shepherd for 21 years. At the same time, we had to create space for who God was bringing, and God brought Pastor John Plattick. And so we had to create some space for Pastor John to establish his leadership and his culture uh, within the church. And the beautiful thing was that everyone was in agreement with that, including Russ, so it, it started a 12-month a period in which uh, Russ very graciously uh, stepped away from the church and, and didn't even enter the doors. Uh, but we kept in touch with Russ, and we kept the congregation up to speed with what uh, God was doing in his life. And then Pastor John came in and just so hit the ground running on establishing his leadership within the church.
0: Now, to clarify, that year away from the church was... Right. As John came on board. Correct. And, and yeah. his first year of pastoral leadership, you really stepped away from the church altogether.
2: Yeah, I well, I began the process of stepping away. You know, Jim kind of alluded to it to create the space for for John to come in and also for the people to recognize that the kind of pastor that to give the people freedom to trust the leadership, that the kind of pastor could be very different than me. And so, um, a number of occasions I just asked the board, I said, you know, I, I've never done this before. You've never done this before. There are places where I need to step back in my leadership mm-hmm. and there are places where you still need me to lead. And so, um, you know, one of the best practices I think was Jim was really intentional in in working together to just write things down so that they were clear, uh, clear to the leadership and, um, it really gave me freedom then, too, to say, it's okay for me to not be at these meetings. It's okay for me to not be fulfilling this responsibility that was part of my normal um, senior pastoral duty. And the elders stepped up and filled some of those things temporarily. Um, and that, you know, that distance was really important. It was important for me. God also used it to give us margin to develop more of the marriage and family ministry by uh, by doing the pilot in the church. mm mm-hmm. um, Probably the biggest transition for me um, was having to go from shepherding the staff one-on-one, which is creating that space for John to come in and be the staff shepherd, to shepherding the process. So I had to look more at how can I help lead the transition and shepherd the people in transition, but the one-on-one Um, Because we had interim uh, interim people uh, come in uh, that were working directly with the staff, um, I had to step back and help shepherd the process rather than the people.
0: So uh, it sounds to me like this process would not work well if there was not really solid relationships between the pastor and the elder team. In order for Russ to be able to come, as you've alluded to in our last segment, and again in this one, Jim, you've alluded to it, uh, you folks were able to talk openly about Russ's growing uh restlessness. I'll use the word restlessness here uh to maybe that that God is moving him along to something else and the elders being able to really accept that and process it and uh, in a in a non-defensive way and in a loving caring way for Russ but yet recognizing that you know transition is coming. I I can only imagine what happens in a church when a pastor doesn't feel that he can go to his elder board like that. I think that's where some of the transitions uh, come about, that, uh, you know, the pastor's here one Sunday and he's gone the next kind of thing. But uh, speak to the, the importance of the quality of relationships there, Jim, if you would.
1: Well, I think you really hit on it, Bill. I mean, if uh, the relationship wasn't strong, uh, the transition would have been a wreck uh, because – you know, Again, uh, Russ was very transparent, it, and his transparency early on in the process really allowed the elder team for quite some time to be prayerful with Russ, not away from Russ. So Russ was part of this whole process all along, and that was key to the successful transition. So the fact that uh, the elder team was able to be prayerful, that we had considerable amount of time to process through it, it's the fact that we could really manage expectations for the body yeah. as well. Because, again, this is a guy who had been there for 21 years. This is their shepherd, their leader. And so this allowed them to to really, you know, engage Russ, even before it happened, to kind of say, hey, how are you doing? How's Melody doing? Um, what can we do to pray for you? And it was well, so, that
2: group of people, too. But there was always the, <laughs> also the group that said, well, you know, This is really nice for you. It's a nice (laughs) transition. You know, in reality, you you have people that you've really connected with over the years. You also have people who are just feeling just very normally like, you know, 20 years is like enough. And we're very excited. And because the process was structured, it not only helped us relax, but it helped the congregation settle down. I think you remember that one meeting that the elders actually structured. It was an incredible meeting. Staff was there. Leaders were there. Elders were there. And we just went up on a whiteboard and said, what are the five priorities we want during this transition for Mel and Russ? And one of them specifically was be cared for. But that gave you the freedom to go over to the other side and say, now, without any offense to Russ, what are we looking for? And I was in the room when you guys were doing this. What are we looking for? What do we sense God is asking us to pray for and look for in a new leader? Mm -hmm. Well, that's incredibly threatening. To, to most of us, I, in fact, I, I couldn't imagine being in that room listening to that and yet feeling so supported and encouraged. I was actually excited. I think I added a couple of things saying, you know, I've led well in this area, but, boy, this is really needed. And just to see it up in the whiteboard was great.
0: So, John, uh, you, you came into this process midstream, and you obviously didn't realize that Maple Grove Free Church was looking for a new pastor until you started receiving calls from the search firm. And so, as as you came into this, what was your impression of how the church was handling the process, and uh, what was going on inside of you and inside of Chrissy as you as you started to look at Maple Grove Free uh, in, in in relationship to how they were handling the, the pastoral transition? Yeah, a couple of things. Um, uh, one would be, you know. <laughs>
3: You, you, when you talk about Chrissy, my wife, um, we were we were looking at different things, right? <laughs> um, she was more concerned with um, w- w- who who moves to Minnesota. That was more uh, the question for her, um, and, and why would we do this? So we had a whole series of of questions re- with regards to that, and you know, the honest question for me was, um, as God, as I was looking personally um at this role and and continuing to see the fit for her not for me not to for me to allow god to move in her um because if i was going to make this transition in 2 or 3 years I, or or in 2 or 3 months after we were to move i i i couldn't bear with the reality of her saying uh, you dragged us here you did this to me right as much as i felt like making this move was god's hand mm-hmm. and god's call it had to be ours. It had to be our decision. So, so that was the stirring. So that was a that was a parallel track, if if you will, from a personal side. Um, to me, um, one of the one of the key things, and and again, I, I don't want to run around the same track that we've already been talking about. But the 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 consultant said, I work with church boards all the time, and this is one of the most healthy boards I've ever been a part of. The the humility. And the prayerfulness, uh, and she, she, so she just said, "This is a, this is one of the most healthy boards that I've ever been a part of." And so to me, that was huge for me because I know, I believe um, that the most significant role, aside from my relationship with Christ and my relationship with my wife, the the most significant role I have is with with the board. If that's bad, then I, I'm not able to do the the ministry that God has called me to do or lead in the particular way that I had and so to hear that this was a real healthy strong mature board uh, to me was a uh, was vital.
0: It's it's interesting that the opinion of somebody that you hardly knew and yet because of their role within the process meant so much to you. Yeah,
3: and then and well then then that is to flesh it out right. So then the next so then that's a that's a data point um and it's an important one and then it's to say mm-hmm. okay this is her opinion now let's see now and, let's
0: find out if it's really true
3: yeah and and it has been uh, from from day 1 uh these these men whom um whom god has and and we've had new guys join and and certain guys roll off our board but um there's been a sense of unity um uh, there's been a unique blend of a desire and i think this has everything to do with with Russ's leadership of the board a a significant desire for the unity of the body. Mm -hmm. And yet, and yet because they'd been having these conversations, they had a desire to forge ahead into the future. And it's just a really mature and a unique blend that has, that was necessary in order to make this transition work.
2: And, and and essential for the congregation to embrace a form of transition that was foreign to them. Mm -hmm. This doesn't happen in our denomination. And I think the, The body, seeing that maturity, knowing it was prayerful, knowing it was purposeful, were able to relax some of the normal congregational nervousness about, ooh, are we really going to be involved in this process? They had to really relinquish a little bit of some of the congregational polity that that would be expected in in our denomination to really trust the board. And I think they were able to do that because they they knew that they were men of prayer and they knew that that, that, um, there was a maturity level where there wasn't this us-them mentality with with the board.
0: Okay, so let's let's wrap up this segment. I'm going to ask just any one of you here to answer at least one part of this question. And I'd like to find, uh, for those who are listening to this podcast and are looking at transitioning either in their business or in their church, what are, uh, say, anywhere from two to four, I'm going to call them best practices, uh, and I'd like you to articulate this in like one or two sentences, if if we can go that route, and say, Bill, here's the best practice. So, for example, I heard one earlier here where uh, Jim was writing down the expectations uh, so that the elder team at Maple Grove Free uh, and so that Russ were on the same page regarding expectations. To me, that would sound like a best practice. What are some other things that you guys would recommend to churches who are considering pastoral transitions or to pastors who are starting to feel a sense of release from their current call and uh, they kind of want to know how to deal with their board or with their congregation or even with their wives? What are some best practices here that that you would offer up?
2: I think for senior pastors, just decide whether or not your ministry is going to be determined by forging a career path or whether it's going to be marked by calling. Because a career path can lead you to stir up changes and transitions. There are transitions, I think, that we create, and there are transitions that that we choose, and I think there are transitions that God chooses for
0: us. You know, that's interesting. When I came out of seminary, because at at least folks who are listening to the podcast may not know this, but I am also seminary trained, even though I am not ordained in the free church. Uh, When I came out of seminary, I interviewed at at a Presbyterian church in Indiana, and the pastor there um, made the comment to me. He said, you know, if you join this particular denomination, you're going to have full retirement benefits, full health benefits, and uh, you'll never lack for a job. And uh, it almost sounded like I was interviewing in corporate America uh, for a job. And so uh, I appreciate your comment uh, regarding uh, the difference between a career path and uh, and a calling.
3: I would say three things,
0: Bill, to your
3: question. And just briefly, one, it, first is to... For someone transitioning in, you want to honor the past, but don't get stuck there. Secondly, you need to honor the person who preceded you, um, but don't create shadows. Uh, so in this case, Russ deserves all honor, and because of his faithfulness and because of the way God used him, and yet you don't want to so make them so big that there's a shadow that you can't get out from underneath. And then the third thing would be this, you need to plan for the future, uh, but don't, but, but don't rush, but be patient. Um, because you need to look ahead, but if you run too fast or too quickly, you'll run over people and you'll run over and you, and you run them away from the church that they knew.
0: Yeah. I mean, in your case, John, this sounds like this was roughly a four to four and a half year process from the time that you initially thought maybe. Akron is not where I, or at least the current ministry that I'm in, is not where I need to be to the point where you were handed the baton at Maple Grove. I'm guesstimating that's a four- to five-year process for you. Yeah, pretty close. And, Russ, it sounds to me like that was maybe somewhere around a three, three three-and-a-half-year process for you. And so the comment about being patient, I think, is is an excellent one uh, for those uh, who are looking to transition. It isn't going to happen in 30 or 60 or 90 days.
3: And once you transition, then you need to be patient with, you know, a new guy coming into an organization, organization, to whether it's a whether it's a business or whether, it and you're leading it. There's certain things you can change from day one. There's other things that you just need, and particularly in a church, um, God met them at this particular place. And if you don't talk with honor and respect to the past, then you're hurting their spiritual growth. You wound some of the mm-hmm. very things that God actually did really significantly in in their lives. Um, And and so you just have to go, God, God moved and God worked in in amazing ways. Now it's time to keep moving ahead, time to keep forging ahead, And you have to be patient and and planful in order to do Mm -hmm.
0: that. Uh, What would be at least one thing in the transition process that you guys would say, uh, boy, if you're considering a a transition here and in a, a pastoral transition in your church, this is something that we did that we probably would not do again. I don't want to call it a worst practice, but maybe something that can be uh, either avoided or needs to at least be thought through pretty pretty well.
1: The one thing that I might mention, uh, we ended up actually not doing this, but we were close to doing it. So when we started to plan uh, with Pastor Russ the transition, uh, one of our earliest hypotheses was, gosh, wouldn't it be great if the new lead pastor and the residing lead pastor would be arm in arm for a period of say a year on staff so it would be a very thorough transition and you know our consultant uh kind of heard our hearts on that and said you know that's really touching uh, but it's not such a good idea and uh so you know she counseled us in a different direction and it really opened our eyes because you know while at one hand that that does almost appear touching, but on the other hand, she said, ah, you're just not creating enough space for the new lead pastor to come in and again, establish his leadership. And, and really it, it's not dishonoring to, in this case, Pastor Russ as he transitions into his own ministry. So it was, it was something that we avoided, uh, but it was a narrow avoidance that I think would have been a real negative for the process.
0: And then finally each of you had to make uh you had to say no to something that was good and desirable and that kind of thing in your life in order to say yes to other things within this transition. Can each of you des- describe uh a trade-off decision that you made uh that uh, in retrospect you're glad you made it but at the time it might have been kind of difficult to do. Russ, how about if I start with you?
2: Probably a number of them. One when it's just a trade-off of being able to control the process, people think about legacy. They think about, oh, you know, how are how are people going to remember, um, you know, your last year or two there. Really having to trade off being able to control or shape that, and just say, um, God, whatever you want to have happen. Part of it's really humbling to be around in the church while the church is talking about. This is what we need in the new pastor, which, you know, subtext is, this is what we didn't have in the last one, and be able to be okay with that and realize that was God's leading. So trade off some comfortableness. Um, I think the elder trade off was just going from a ministry where you had a paycheck every week to one where you were um, raising support.
0: That's a very different lifestyle, isn't it? It is. The only (laughs) only fundraising I'd
2: ever done was asking the ushers to come forward on Sunday. (laughs) Jim, how
0: about you?
1: You know, for me, as I transition from the corporate world and into the, the, the church world or into ministry, you know, the trade off for me going into the process was gee, I wonder how this is going to be perceived. I wonder how it's going to be perceived by colleagues of mine, but, and also friends and family and such. You know, it was interesting too, because I felt as though there was going to be some real negativity on the part of some of my colleagues. Uh, but even for people who would not call themselves Christ followers, their reaction was surprisingly positive, and I think for the most part it was, "Wow, you are following uh, your passion." Now we don't understand this whole religious thing, but you are following your passion, and then it would open up these really interesting discussions. And again, that God would ordain where they would say, "Gosh, what? Tell me, lead me through. How did you? How did you get over the hump? Because I've been thinking about that, and I, I feel." Uh, that maybe a change would be inevitable for me. And so it it was just really um, interesting how God worked uh, during the transition, because for me, I thought, gosh, I wonder how they're going to perceive me in this trade-off." But it actually opened up some interesting conversations.
0: Interesting. So in a sense, you traded the potential of damage to your reputation for the opportunity to maybe talk about Christ with some people who don't know him.
1: Yeah, and, and I wasn't so concerned with my reputation as I was just fascinated with uh, they're just going to look at me like i'm crazy uh but instead again all of these meetings were, were god ordained uh they just opened up these conversations where people wanted to know and it allowed me to gently say hey this is where god is leading me i wonder where he's leading you
0: mm, very good how about you john
3: well an obvious one for me would be um We left all of our family in Ohio in order to come uh, and really come to a church family, uh, which is a, in some ways, uh, a really, I mean, it's a trade off, right? Right. Um, And so that was that was a really significant trade off for us. Uh, I would say another one was would be a trading, and it's. It's trading off the support role that I'd played uh, up in, in my career up until that point to a senior leadership role, a supporting leadership role to a senior leadership role, which is a trade off. And there's some great things about it, but uh, I have less people to hide, for, hide behind now um, for decisions and all of those other things because it's. It's there's so there's a weight and a responsibility that comes with that, and it's a trade-off. Uh, I have I, my mom thinks I have more gray hair now because of uh, because of taking this job. I don't know.
0: I, well, well, you're looking distinguished with well, that with you. that touch <laughs> of gray.
3: So I appreciate that, Bill.
0: <laughs> so you've been listening to the Bible and Business podcast here on pastoral transitions. Uh, during this podcast, we've talked about some of the best practices of uh, pastoral transitions, uh, some things maybe to think about. Uh, during the, uh, during the transition and also a few trade-off decisions. And we've also discussed, uh, what the process was at Maple Grove Evangelical Free Church, uh, to transition from Pastor Russ to Pastor John. Uh, in our next segment, we're going to talk about, uh, how to do elder and congregational care, uh, in regards to a pastoral transition. I'm Bill English. Thank you for joining us today.